Hey, hey, it's Andy Anas, and you're listening to another episode of Pod Slam and Jamma presented by Cliff City Control Room. On this episode, we will discuss UH football training camp uh, officially underway, kicking off August 4th. We'll have clips of Dana Horson talking about uh, some of the other weapons when it comes to receivers, tight ends, just overall excitement as the football season is officially underway. Training camp is off and running. We'll talk a little bit about the men's basketball non conference schedule as well. Stay tuned. It's Pod Slam and Jamma. Look at the time he has and look at the throw and catch. Tandell touchdown Cougars. Drexler, what a pass to Anders. McCain followed. Josh Edwards inside Roberts. He throws it down for the Houston lead. Six steals in the first half. There's Blair with the steal. Picked up by Cam Jones. The offensive class so tough. And that's third game. Two possessions. Sasser tries and he hits. Tune has a receiver open. Touchdown, Herslow. They call the five slamma jam. And as always, joining me, Dayon Dunlap. Dayon, how are you doing, sir? Doing well, man. Happy to be on. Feel like football is officially back. What a great time. Fall time is almost here. Feeling good. For sure. Officially less than a month until September 3 when Houston kicks off against UTSA. And like I mentioned in the open, uh, officially underway with training camp. August 4th is the, the first official day that the football players had of uh, being able to go out and practice. No off-season workouts, no off-season training. That's all behind. And head coach Dana Horson spoke with reporters uh, before the practice. And he, he gave a lot of good info, talked about a variety of different things. By the way, they had just been awarded another Another million dollar, uh, I believe it was one million dollar gift um, to help with the ongoing football development training facility that they're uh, planning to to construct. And Dana Horson said they have enough, they have raised enough funding to be able to get that construction underway. So uh, they continue to make headway in that aspect. But when we turn over to specifics on the football field, uh, one of the positions that we've talked about. Um, from a standpoint, in a way, is the receiving receiving core, and obviously, of course, the big reason for that is because of Tank Dell and, and what he was able to do, the connection he had with Clayton Toon a season ago. Uh, but when it comes to that group, obviously, it's much more than just one player, and there's a lot to be excited about when it comes to the receivers this upcoming season. Uh, we talked about it last uh, last episode when Tank Dell said that Matthew Golden is a player to keep an eye on. He has a chance to be one of those next great uh, UH receivers. But Dana Homerson talked about how they have a lot of more depth and a lot of more weapons um, to help Clayton Tune. So we're going to jump into what Dana Homerson had to say on that aspect. Way more than last year. I mean, we were a we were a one-man show last year. Uh, you know, Herslow came on towards the end. Uh, you know, Keyshawn was kind of okay in the middle. Uh, not a lot, right? But you see him out there. Uh, you know, uh, Joseph Manjack had probably the best summer. So he looks he looks really good. Matt Golden had the best spring. He looks really good. Uh, Sam Brown looks good. C.J. Nelson, C.J. Gibbery, you know, Cody Jackson. Conway from there's a bunch of choose from. It's called competition. So we'll go out there and coach them up and see which one rises up. And you're not the type that looks at age and says, okay, this that's a, a, a to keep a guy off the field. I mean, if a guy's ready, he right now Matt Golden's the starting Z. 
I can tell you that right now. So, can is somebody gonna beat him out? Um, Man Jack is gonna start pushing. So that just develops confident uh, uh, competition, and you know they're all gonna play. I mean, you know, you need more than just one. I mean, we were pretty lucky to get out of some of the games last year with the lack of depth that we had. Uh, that's been fixed, and now we get to coach him and see who rises up. Once again, that was UH football head coach Dana Holgerson. Dan, right off the bat, what did anything stuck out to you from that Holgerson clip? Uh, high praise um, for Golden, saying that if the season started now, he would be a starter. Yeah, it just speaks to the depth, something we talked about in previous episodes, needing someone outside of Tank Dale to step up. You know, Coach Holgerson, like you said, they were unlucky to escape games last year, being they was um, really heavily focused on featuring Tank Dale. But, I mean, it sounds like um, he's been making a lot of plays in the spring. He said he was the best player in the spring. And he said Joseph Manjack is going to be pushing. And Manjack, he's a, probably one of their big, biggest receivers that they have on the roster, 6'3", just over 200 pounds. So he's going to be pushing. So it's good to have um, – could compete at different positions, have different players competing with a chance – to fight from playing time. You can never have too many good players. So I, I think that's something key, something we really need to keep our eye on. Will it be Matthew Golden? Will he be the likes to make plays outside? Of course, you know Tank is going to be double. We've mentioned that. We know that with the season that he had, the hype coming around him, and rightfully so. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm going to be watching. Which receiver is going to be step up? Is it Keyshawn um, um, Carter? Keyshawn Carter. Yeah, Keyshawn Carter, who um, flashed early, but – um, struggle with some injuries. Can he step up in his senior campaign? I know he's going to be really hungry. So yeah, it's a lot of balls out there. We're going to make a plays to go get them. No, for sure. You make, you make a great point when it comes to Keyshawn Carter. That was another player that Dana Horson spoke about today. And, and like you mentioned, Dayan, he said that um, towards early middle of the season uh, in 2021, he made a lot of plays, um, was able to be one of those playmakers. Like you said, the injuries kind of derailed him, and they're going to be looking at him to see what he can uh, produce. Obviously, of course, when, when we want to focus on Golden, um, obviously coming into the program um, as a freshman, we talked about it last week when Tactile said he has the chance to be uh, one of the next great UH receivers. Uh, Daniel Holgerson talked a little bit more specifically about Golden because he didn't just come into the program and was, you know, kind of smooth in terms of being able to make an impact. He's talked about how he struggled a little bit and then he slowly made that progress and now he's kind of gotten in a level where um, he's arguably one of the the best receivers that they've that stood out so far now so early in camp. But um, he's given a lot of high praise and check this out from Daniel Holgerson real slow in the spring for uh, the first two weeks and then we took spring break he came back and something just started clicking for him so it, it, it'd be hard for any freshman to you know get playing time let alone start if they just get here in the summer but he's a he's a different special kind of young man so he's very mature he's very hard working doesn't say anything and can go get it everybody's complaining about our deep threats well we got some guys that maybe can go get it going and getting it's not coaching i can tell you that right now i'm gonna go that's just flat out being able to go do it you'd like to hear dana hogerson right there getting a at freddie the first official training camp practice he's already getting a little bit uh hyped up when it comes to receivers but they're right there um interesting comment he said that now they're gonna have a lot more vertical threats which um at times last season that was something that that the u of h offense lacked and that would certainly be especially for someone like clayton Tune, who at times he likes to uh, sling it down the field that's going to be a big positive for him uh what say you down 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a huge positive. And like you said, you need players that can go get it. You, you can't coach that. You got to have that dog in you when the ball is up. You feel like it's yours. And sounds like, sounds like Matthew Golden is going to be that. It sounds like some of the other players uh, like Keyshawn Carter and Manchak is going to have those opportunities because, you know, um, Dale is going to be mostly in that slot. Um, creating havoc and eating up the zone or whenever they play man. And also, he's going to draw safety over the top. So you're going to get those one-on-one opportunities on the outside. Like, like he said, you need players to stretch the field, which will open up the field even more for the likes of um, the tight end group, who we're going to talk about here in a second, Tristan Trahan, as long as Tank Dell. I'm excited to see Matthew Golden. I mean, Coach Hogerson is like Coach Sampson in the bit. He really doesn't throw out empty praise. I mean, he, he's going to really, really tell you if someone's really good or if they really need work. And it sounds like Matthew Golden is a dog. He's not just going to hand out a starting position, especially to a freshman. And so I'm expecting big things. I think the hype around him is really real from what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm, for sure. And when, when you think about uh, the receiving, obviously, we, we mentioned with Clayton Toon, the big um, kind of that one-two combo punch, the quarterback and receiver, you hear that often. So kind of transitioning a little bit to the quarterbacks, we know heading into it that Clayton Toon is going to be QB1 for this team uh, coming into this fifth season. Dane Holgerson said that his backup is going to be Ike Akbagu just in terms of um, where he is. He honestly said that Ike was ahead uh way ahead from some of the other receivers uh, not receivers some of the other quarterbacks that are on the roster so as of now heading into the season that is, is who's going to be the backup uh, for Clayton Toon and as we saw last season that's an important position because Ike's number was called for a couple of games in 2021 so uh, exciting to, to that he has been named that um, QB2 um, anything of note in regards to, to that now, yeah, the backup quarterback, you're always one play away from it being your turn. And so Ike has experience. He's been in this system for a number of years now since Coach Hogerson has been there. He knows the system, and he's proven that he can be serviceable and go out there and win games. And so no surprise there for me. Um, it just goes right into which Coach um, Hogerson presser was mainly about depth. He talked a lot about depth, having depth throughout the entire football team. Quarterback is another position where you want to have depth and sounds like he has a confidence with someone who has experience. Just in case, worst case scenario, tune or anything goes down, you have someone with experience that can um, step in, run the offense. You don't really have to tell it back for anything like that. So depth is huge. The receiving group, quarterback group, offensive line, he really preached depth. And that's what he talked about, building that program, like just like the Cincinnati. Like he said, he was sure now that they left 12 players from the NFL, but He's pretty sure that they built depth, and that's what you need to continue to compete year in and year out, have depth with a lot of good players. For sure. And on that note, um, we'll pick it up coming right up on Pod Slam at Jamma. We'll talk more about the tight end groups and uh, some praise that Dana Hoverson had uh, for Christian Traham. We saw him uh, rise in 2021 and make a couple of plays for the program. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Pod Slam and Jamma. What's up? Continuing here on Paul Slamma Jamma now. Still talking football and on the offensive side, but more about tight ends. Coach Hogerson, like I just mentioned in the first um, segment, talked a lot about depth and having proven depth. But one position that he only has one player with the experience who was a really good player is Christian Trahan coming to his senior year. I had a breakout year a year ago, expecting bigger things from him. But he said it's six players 
behind Tristan that they just have to get reps and have talent. So let's take a look, listen to the clip of what Togleson had to say about the tight end group. Yeah, same same thing is uh, same thing as backup quarterback. You know, Christian's got a lot of snaps under his belt. Looks really good. Uh, we have you know around six new bodies behind him. You know, so uh, just got we got to rep them. We got to practice. That's why we have twenty five days of camp, and you know you you sort it out. Once again, that was UH football head coach Dana Holgerson talking about uh, the tight end position. And that's another position where um, it, it kind of gets uh, not necessarily as much spotlight as the receivers, but it's a very interesting position because obviously, of course, of the versatility that um, the players that are on the field at the position have for the offense. Obviously, of course, when we think of Christian Traham, we think of a lot of the plays that he was able to make um, when it comes to catching the ball. But obviously, of course, that's not all their responsibilities. They also have to help when it comes to the pass rush protection and, and helping Clayton tune in that offensive line out um, a couple of things before we kind of touch on he mentioned they have a lot of new bodies that um, really have to prove themselves uh, hey, can we focus on Christian Trahan a little bit and, and what you feel kind of that next step and really what what they need from that tight end position when it comes to Houston in 2022 I think his next step uh, I think he's proven to have sure hands proven that he can be a, a every down tight end I think it just get more opportunities and cash in more in the red zone. I think he's one of those players who we mentioned um, other wide receivers. He's one of the players who can step up and take some of the load, I feel like, off tank down, especially in the inside. I think he can draw, beat some of those beat linebackers, cause some matchup problems with some um, safeties and, and secondary. I think it probably feature him even more in the red zone when his body let him go up and get it. But just um, – Pile on to the yardage and the, what he did last year and just kind of even take it to the next step. That's what I think he has all the talent, all the tools, going to have the opportunity, but just become more consistent and take advantage of the plays that come his way. And when it comes to a lot of these other players that, like Dana Hoverson said, they're new. And I mean, just looking across the list, you have uh, tight end Matt uh, Burns, I believe, um, how you say his last name. You have uh, Darson Herman, Brian Henry, Trent McGahey, Logan Compton. I mean, these are names that aren't necessarily, you know, for, for UH fans, especially uh, those that, you know, don't, those names don't catch your attention right off the bat. Um, they're certainly in a position where um, they kind of have to go out there and prove themselves. And that's what training camp is for. That's what the season's going to be. But uh, really, who's going to be able to fill in you know, once Christian Trahan is going to be here this season? But they're looking ahead, like you mentioned, in terms of building depth and who's kind of going to be next in line. Um, these players are going to be in an interesting position where kind of similar to the defense where obviously they lost a lot of key players uh, last season. Now they're kind of um, they have a group of leaders that they know that they're going to count on, but there's a lot of new mix or new players to the mix that are going to be counted on to, to make a name for themselves, a similar position in that tight end group. So down, whenever you're kind of in that position where um, you're not necessarily a household name yet when it comes to Houston fans, but what, what's kind of the, the process like, what's kind of the minds have to be um, to be able to become one of those um, players that Houston can rely on. Well, one thing you got to do, you have to be ready. You have to put in the work. And all those names you mentioned off, freshmen, all freshmen and one sophomore. And only having one senior in front of him. So what that tells me that this spot's open. So I'm sure all those players, you got to be hungry. You got to come in dedicated, ready to work every day because – 
just in, a, in a game of football, no matter what position, you're always one play away from being on the field. And so, you know, there isn't much depth and no one just solidified a starting position. You got to come in ready to prove yourself every single day and prove that you are that guy and make a name for yourself. I, th- I think that's what every athlete wants especially when being recruited coming out of high school and even once they get on campus, it's an opportunity to get on the field and make their name. And that's what these young men do with it. Tristan Trahan, he's the senior, one more year remaining. Then you know it's going to be your – who's going to be next? Who's going to step up and, and earn their spot and, and make um, Cougar fans know their name? For sure. And and on that note, obviously one of the key things that, that Dana Hogerson is, is – talked about uh told the reporters what's well, the consistency where um you, and we're not going to talk too much about the defense per se because we we only got to talk to dana hogerson and you know he's much more focused on the offensive side so it'll be interesting to see what duck belk has to say but one of the things that hogerson said um that they really feel they had a productive summer is just being able to have a level of consistency that he called it it's not common among college football so check out what hogerson had to say about how he felt this summer was really strong for houston we had a great summer, you know, three best summer I've been involved with. Um, you know, Coach Bauer is very happy, our strength and conditioning staff, which has been, you know, very consistent uh, here for the first time maybe ever when it comes to, like, the same five guys doing the same thing for going on four years now for our fourth summer. That's fairly unheard of in college athletics. So Daryl and his uh, staff did a great job. We had three weeks uh, in June where we worked with them offensively and defensively. Uh, made coaches take vacation for three weeks and just turned them over to the strength staff, you know, for three weeks just to kind of get away from them. Uh, and then we came back and we did two weeks of uh, a bunch of team competitions and and uh, some special teams work. So uh, eight weeks of summer was was very productive. Very happy with where we're at. How important. So very productive summer. When you hear those comments from Dana Holgerson, uh, it, it kind of build the the just the level of where this program is, especially uh, honestly a night and day difference from where it was last season. We're heading into it. There was a lot of questions being asked. You know, is Dana Holgerson in the hot seat? Is this team kind of heading in the right direction? Now it's a completely different focus and uh, honestly completely different set of expectations. Yeah, completely different narrative this off season. And it tells me that the team is locked in. The team is believing. And for Houston, it's like one of those programs to where it's not considered in the upper extra line, but moving into the Big 12, I think all players and coaches see the opportunity to to build on the season they had a year ago and really change the narrative around the football program in its entirety. And I think they're really hungry to do so. I think that's part of their legacy. They, they can build and have that legacy and leave um, Houston – when they eventually leave on a higher note and put more respect on Houston. So I'm not really surprised. I think he's being honest there because the players got a taste of what it was like to lose in that American championship game and see Cincinnati be in the playoff. And I think they want that same thing. I think they're locked in. I think they're ready. You didn't really hear much about much players leave or anything. I think the culture is really set in football and, I mean, I, I believe Cole Hogerson when he said that. I, I'm, I'm excited. And one of the other things that he, he said um, when asked about the expectations for this upcoming season, uh, Hogerson said that, that his message to the team is that was that was in the past, that was 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a completely different season. They're they're zero and zero now. Uh, what happened last season doesn't matter. And obviously, of course, this is a team heading into 2022 where they have a lot of higher 
uh, aspirations. We heard uh, Hassan Hippolyte during the American Athletic Conference meet today say the goal uh, for them that they don't they don't want to win um, the the um, Birmingham Bowl when they played Auburn in 2021. They want to get back to the American Athletic Conference championship and be victorious this time and you know it seems like they're really focused and they're really motivated especially after like we said getting to the championship game a season ago falling short to a Cincinnati team that was um, flat out that they were better and and what they were able to accomplish getting into the CFP um, they're kind of motivated to get back there and, and this time them be the ones that are on top of the mountain the American Athletic Conference and uh, interesting position where they could get to do it and then you know head for the Big 12 that would be a certainly a statement heading into the new conference. Uh, but on that note, is there one final thing you wanted to touch on in, in regards to the football team before uh, we segue over to, to men's basketball? No, not much to add. Just kind of kind of be watching some of this practice reports, but not really so much. It's just really getting excited for that first game. It's almost here. You got to get revenge against Tech. For sure. And on that note, coming right up on Pod Slam and Jamo, we'll talk about the non-conference schedule that was released on August 3, as well as the newest addition to the UH men's basketball team. You're listening to Pod Slam and Jamo. Right now, here on Pod Slam and Jamo, we're going to talk some hoops as the men's basketball team just released their non-conference schedule. Coach Sampson had a press conference after, but let's just go right into it. Let's take a look at the schedule. Andy, tell me some of the games that would jump out to you. Yeah, for sure. When you, when you look at the schedule, I think the the game that everyone has to have circled is that December tenth game against Alabama uh, for Cheetah Center this time. Just obviously, of course, the way the the twenty twenty one game panned out. Whenever they had to go down and play the Crimson Tide at their place, you know, it came down to the last possession. Houston, it seemed like they had a, a, a various chances to, at the very least, you know, be able to steal one on the road, and it just the ball wouldn't go through. Um, just how exciting that game was. I think that's the one that that Houston fans have circled, um, and especially it being at Fertitta Center. But I think some of the other games that, that are key when you think of um, St. Mary's, the, what they've been able to do, Oregon on the road. I know Oregon had a bit of a, a down season um, in 2021-22, but having to play up in, in Eugene is always going to be a tough challenge. I think the last time they did it was back in 2019, and Houston actually lost that game. And then even Virginia, I know, going back kind of similar to, to Alabama, uh, where they really – not Alabama, similar to um, Oregon, where they, they came down for Tita Center last season, and uh, they, <laughs> they were flat out, ran out of the court. Um, when they came here, so this time having to play them uh, on the road, that's going to be another tough task. And I know that they're not going to have forgotten what happened at Fertitta Center a season ago. Those are the games that, that stick out to me. What about you? Yeah, I agree with that Alabama game sticks out for me. Um, doing a good job of retooling and recruiting down there in, the, in Alabama. Also, like you said, that Oregon game, I think that's going to be a good one. But Oral Roberts, they have one of the top scorers in the nation – um, on their squad, and so that's going to be an interesting game, mid-major team who's been getting to the tournament the last couple of years, so that's going to be an interesting game. Uh, I'm just excited, man. The basketball team, Coach Sampson, said it's really hard for him to get games, in which uh, <laughs> that's not really surprising, but also uh, it kind of makes me wonder the level of competition in 
the um, preseason, the, some of these teams. I mean, you want to play a high-quality team, whether you win or lose, I would think, early on in the season because it's not like college football to where you take one loss and it just hurts you for the rest of your season. So that was kind of interesting from here, but I understand his perspective in the way that he described it. But uh, I think they got a fairly schedule. What do you think it, it compares to last year's schedule? Hmm. I think it's interesting. I think when you think of, of looking at it in the offseason, I think you can say that it's much weaker than it was last season. But um, at least if you look at it, the schedule a year ago when we were looking at it in the preseason, it was projected to be uh, filled with Q1 and Q2 opportunities. Um, and a lot of the schools just didn't pan out. And going back to uh, Virginia, they played um, in the NTE that they played. Um, I believe it was the, the Hawaii MBT. They ended up playing in Las Vegas where uh, they played, uh, I believe it was Butler, Oregon, and, and those teams, again, they weren't necessarily uh, ended up having the strong seasons that you know, heading into the season, they were projected to be um, top-tier opponents, even Alabama, where they were red-hot during non-conference and towards the end of the season, they, they had kind of cooled off a bit. Um, so I think that's an interesting aspect, an aspect where you can't really ever, um, you know, you can be thinking one thing going into the season, and then it turns out to be completely different once the, the games go around. So I, I think on paper, especially when it comes to, to the home games, that's something that a lot of um, UH fans um, on social media and some of the um, specific forums, the Coug fans forums specifically, where they've had a, a bit of complaints just in terms of uh, they'd like to see more, you know, headlining programs at Fertitta Center. Uh, but I think they're going to have that opportunity when it comes to Alabama and, and what they were able to do. Now, specifically talking about this season, Houston's kind of in an interesting position. Uh, Calvin Sampson talked about how, obviously, of course, next year they're heading to the Big 12. So uh, when, when Calvin Sampson was looking at the schedule and you know trying to, to figure out who they were going to play, there was a couple of things that played in factor and that move to the Big 12 was one. He said that Sampson didn't want to uh, do home and home you know when you think of some of these top um, programs I mean just thinking of um, so I believe it's Gonzaga's schedule where they're going to be playing Kentucky they're going to be playing Memphis they're going to be playing uh, I, I believe Alabama as well a lot of these teams where um, they have a lot of premier names but usually when you schedule with those opponents it's the very least trying to do a home and home where uh, Calvin Thompson didn't necessarily want to promise a, a other game um, just with the pending move to the Big 12 now. Another thing that he said played a factor was the Oregon game, which that slated, when we saw a schedule, it slated for November 20th, uh, which would be the same day, uh, or it's about the time when a lot of those multi-team events, those tournaments, um, with various teams go and are happening around that Thanksgiving uh, week, Thanksgiving two-week window. Um, and he said that that November 20th Oregon game kind of really held Houston out out of uh, a lot of potential MTEs that they could have joined now. One thing that was kind of significant, and not significant, but very, um, it caught the attention of your ears, is he said that they were really close to having an MTE, which would have included an SEC team, and, and he said another high-ranking um, team that they had just hired new coaches. And when um, he didn't say what, what team it was, he said when one of the teams saw that Houston was going to be an MT, they backed out. So that was interesting, and that's kind of a, a segue to this clip where he talks about those challenges that he faced when it came to the non-conference schedule of 2022-23. One of the things that hurt us this year was uh, the Oregon game and the date of the Oregon game. The Oregon game fell on, um, uh, I don't even know what date, I think it's the 20th of November. And 
And in order to get a high quality opponent to open up the um, uh, Petita Center, that's hard to do. You know, <clears throat> at, at one point I felt like uh, I had bad Mata agreed to win Ohio State. He backed out. There's four or five teams backed out. So, <clears throat> but I wanted to get a high quality opponent. And at the time, at the time, I think that was 2018. Um, um, and it's strictly because of my friendship with Dana Altman. You know, I've known Dana Altman for 35 years. And I said, look, Dana, if you'll come and open up the arena, we'll do a two for one. We'll go to your place twice. So he came. Uh, we went, I think, the following year. You guys can look this stuff up better than I can. I think we went the following year. Then the year after, um, he called, and uh, his non-conference schedule at home was uh, backloaded. So he said, let's push it back a year. So the next year, I think we were both in the um, Maui Classic. <clears throat> so we weren't going to do a home and home, and home that year. So this year it had to be done because <clears throat> I did not want to have to go to Oregon next year um, with the way the Big 12 schedule is with the two challenges. So that would have been, you know, 18 Big 12 games plus two challenges plus on the road at Oregon. So we just had to bite the bullet. And because we uh, – and that was the only date that Dana had, we had to do it. And what that did was excess out of uh, – a lot of MTEs we could have got into, um, so we, but we had to do that game. But we did get an MTE. <clears throat> it was I'm not going to tell you the name of the schools, but a couple of them had hired just hired brand new coaches, um, um, and it was a good MTE. It would have been a uh, SEC school. Uh, who was the other school? Uh, slips my mind right now. But that would have been a really good MTE. But when they saw that we were in it, uh, they backed out. So, you know, you can't make people play you. So interesting quotes from Kelvin Sampson uh, just right there. Um, not to focus too much, but when you say that statement, doesn't that just show how far the program has gone where, you know, some teams, you know, see them on the schedule and, and they want to avoid playing them. And I think that's just interesting because Calvin said it in, in numerous times throughout um, different availabilities where when he first took over the program, those, you know, they didn't struggle being able to set up a schedule because a lot of teams wanted to play them now a little bit different. Yeah, it's a little bit different, and like I just said, it kind of takes the competitive edge out of it a little bit, but just uh, removing it from that aspect and looking at it from different angles, I, I, I could see why, because Coach Sampson kind of mentioned it a little bit once they get into the Big 12, it's going to be easier to fit out the schedule, not worry about having quad Q1, Q2 wins in, in your preseason because of how tough the conference schedule will be, and so uh, – do you play pretty much whoever not, and not really have to worry about the strength of your schedule per se where now in the West, like they had last year and which this season, you try to get some quality uh, games in the preseason games, not only to test your team to see where they at, but also keeping in mind for seeding in the NCAA tournament. And so um, that, that aspect won't happen when they move into um, big conferences and some of those schools are in big conferences who might be at the bottom and might not be might struggle in their conference and a loss to Houston could hurt them and so I can understand both sides of it. Houston has definitely come a long way 
And um, I, I, this is going to be a very exciting season. And I, I may not show the clip we talked about. It might be the biggest depth in guards that he's had um, while coaching in a while. And so I'm excited to see how he's going to use and what his guards are going to get, what playing time, and how he's going to put it all together. For sure, and then just to clarify, when you when you say preseason, you mean uh, non-conference, um, yeah. non-conference play. Obviously, of course, um, this upcoming season. And honestly, you make a great point because next season, when they are in the Big Twelve, like there's not going to be a, a game where they're not facing a Q one, Q two opponent. Right. Um, when you think of just top to bottom, how loaded the Big 12 is um, in regards to, to basketball. But uh, when you look at the American Athletic Conference, especially uh, last season, just looking at it, there was a lot of teams that, you know, Houston really struggled to get any type of Q1 opportunities. I believe, you know, at one point it was just Memphis and SMU. Um, and that was pretty much it. Um, it's going to be a completely change in story um, when it comes to 2023. Um, or I guess it's going to be 2024 uh, for the 23-24 season. But on that note, uh, we'll leave it with news that, that the program announced on August 4th, and that's that they have added uh, 6'9 center Darius Bowser, who's transferring over from Charleston Southern, and he's going to be immediately eligible to play as a graduate student. And you know, one thing that Calvin Sampson was quoted saying in the news release is that um, it gives them depth in the front court, having an extra body. It's going to allow them to be more versatile. And uh, Calvin touched on it yesterday on August 3 that they were looking at adding another player with the open scholarship spot they had. They now have uh, the complete slate. So uh, no more scholarships to give. But um, just right there, um, in regards to adding another front court player, anything that, that sticks out? Not much. Um, just building depth. We talked about depth throughout this entire um, podcast and football. Same thing goes to basketball. He's the coach Sampson hinted at it, and then right the next day they um, – they announced the player that they added just to have more full court depth. It goes into practice and all the things that goes into the long basketball season. So really nothing to add for me. For sure. And on that note, one thing I did uh, want to add in terms of, like I mentioned, that um, financial donation that had been awarded to the program. Uh, like I said, it was a $1 million gift and the person that donating is actually a family. So their name from the Houston Board of Regents, vice chair at the University of Houston, Jack Moore, his wife, Debbie, the Moore family, they donated $1 million gift for the football development facility. Now, like um, I had mentioned, Dana Horison said that uh, they have enough money, have been able to fundraise enough money to be able to start that um, project and, and kind of get it off the ground. Another thing when it comes to gifts, Calvin Sampson said it on August 3. So yesterday during his availability, they got uh, two million dollar lead gift to kind of head start the renovations to he's called the second floor of the gavi lewis development facility so um good to see when it comes to these programs you know obviously when you look at the conference and, and athletics the, the football and men's basketball programs gavi lewis for the second floor is also included with the women's basketball team they're going to get a renovations to those facilities where you hear the coaches, you hear Kelvin Sampson, what he says, even though Gavi Lewis, I believe, he said that they moved in in 2016. Um, but they constantly have to be doing renovations, not, not necessarily in terms of the facilities, but just when it comes to recruiting, especially now that they're joining the Big 12 because of other facilities with other schools that they're going to be competing with. 
Yep, and like you mentioned, they've tried before just getting a new facility and letting it be there for 30 years. You got to stay up to date. You got to keep updating. And he said he gets ideas from uh, going from NBA teams, college teams, and just to keep adding just brings that another component on recruiting. And so it's good to see Houston continue to um, invest in these sports athletic programs. They got more to go because golf and baseball, a lot, a lot of these teams going to Big 12. That's all you hear is coaches saying they want to have an even playing field and look like as facility-wise and uh, what these Big 12 schools have. For sure. And on that note, we're going to leave it right there. Um, thank you for those of you that tuned in and listen. As always, be sure to, if you're watching on YouTube, to subscribe and give it a like. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you may be listening to, be sure to give us uh, a like and or give us ratings depending on whatever platform you're using. And for everyone, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Pod Jamma as you see it on the screen or as you see it on your um device screen when it comes to a pod slam and jamma down i'll let you say the final word um how are we gonna sign off man it's only one way to do it let's go coos <laughs>